0: Hey, it looks like we are on. Howdy, everyone. It is good to see all of you. I can't actually see you You look like a camera, but we do know you're out there. Uh, Welcome to another Tomorrow's World Now webcast. I'm here with uh, this fascinating panel of gentlemen. On my far left, uh, we have Mr. Dexter Wakefield. He's Director of Business Operations at the Living Church of God and an all-around nice guy. Uh, Though he's been in Florida, we don't hold that against in Florida. Just kidding. You're a great state. Uh, And then between the two of us is Mr. Peter Nathan, a professor at Living University and another nice guy. I can't believe it. I get to share the table with two nice guys. Uh, My name is Wallace Smith. Uh, You may have seen me on the Tomorrow's World telecast or um, I don't know where else you would have seen me, but we'll go with that. Uh, It's great to be here. Do you share the
1: table with a non-nice guy?
0: You know, if I would, I don't know that I would say it. I might just kind of say a nice guy and... uh, Another okay. guy, and then go on. So no, I would, I would always, I would always. You be could in
2: good looking and smart too. If well, you, you know,
0: I thing. thought about that, and <laughs> as some of our regulars might know that I've mentioned several times about how good looking our people and I think they're starting to wonder about me. So I'm trying to hold off on that. Though I got to admit, you guys, mm. snazzy dressers, I'll just say that snazzy dressers. Uh, our topic today for this particular webcast <laughs> is about the world economy. Where are things headed, and how do we actually? weigh these things in our mind, we're constantly seeing news about uh, the economy all over the world, your local state or province, our country, personal economies. I'm currently trying to get children through college, and so I know it's on very personal economy is on my mind these days. And so we have a series of questions that have been put together, and we're going to take a look at these, take a look at some items in the news, and of course some spiritual principles. And before I say anything, I want to get this across. We are not here to give you financial advice. Go find a financial advisor. That is not our expertise here in terms of actually advising you about your investments or what you should do with your savings. Should you invest in widgets? I don't know. Uh, that's not what I'm here to talk about. We will focus on spiritual principles, but that's part of the lesson, I think, here on the Tomorrow's World Now webcast is every fast of our lives is touched by biblical and spiritual principles and economics is no different. And before we get started too, let me encourage all of our viewers, if you have a question, please, by all means, feel free and share it with us on Facebook. Uh, right now, it's live at this time. If you watch it when it's recorded, I don't know we'll be able to get back to it. But we have a couple of fantastic guys, snazzy dressers themselves, in our control room that will make sure we see those questions, and I'll do my best to keep an eye on it as well, because we love to address your questions also. So let me jump right into it here. The first topic uh, that was put together concerns this report on the Federal Reserve Bank stress test. Uh, it actually was born out of a... Wall Street Journal article uh, published really just recently, June 1st, just this month, this month coming to an end, how the Federal Reserve is coming up. They're working on new stress tests for Mm. banks. Uh, And then also they're considering new ways to regulate uh, these different boards of these banks. And we were joking earlier about, uh, well, what is a, a, a bank stress test? You know, they're putting the banks on treadmills, you know? Or are they making the CEOs wear blood mm-hmm. pressure cuffs? Uh, actually, Mr. Wakefield, if you if you could talk about that and help explain that to us, that would be great.
2: Yeah. Well, you see, the large banks um, have a huge influence on the economy. So what they do is they have a series of tests that they uh, put their portfolios through. The banks have different things in their investment portfolios. And they say, well, what happens if and how much money would they lose if if this happened or how much money would lose they lose if that happens and they compare that to the loss reserves that they have in the overall capital of the bank what we saw uh, back oh 10 years or so ago was banks failing because they had all of these portfolios of bad loans and they could not cover the losses right so what the stress tests do is it makes sure that they have the ability to do that
0: okay so well actually stress test probably isn't isn't the worst word for it then, because that's what they do in medical stress tests with your body. Mm-hmm. They stress your body to see what it can take and they monitor you to see whether you're gonna, you know, fall off the treadmill or something like that. And so they're essentially putting these banks through these scenarios to make sure they can handle a mm-hmm. variety of different, durability. different things. Yeah, their durability for different uh, economic shocks, right. etc. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, you know, surely this is a, this is a good thing.
1: <clears throat> well, it's a good biblical principle because the book of Proverbs talks about the prudent foresees the evil and
0: hides himself from it. Right, and right? Mm-hmm. Do, does this mean our Federal Reserve is busy reading their Bible? And I don't believe that? so. Yeah, we're, not, we're not gonna assume that, we're not gonna assume that they're not, but it really is. And actually I would say families could do Similar. If you're not actually taking a look at your income and your outgo to understand what are we capable of dealing with and what are we capable of not dealing with, uh, yeah, things catch you off guard.
2: And you can do a stress test on your own finances at home. What would happen if I lost my job? How long could I go? A month or two months before my cash reserves ran out or my mortgage went into default? You can do these things uh, for yourself as well.
0: Right. You know, actually, uh, the Bible talks about that, knowing the state of your fields, Mm -hmm. right? You know, understanding the health of your cattle, the health of your sheep. Now, most of us aren't investing in cattle and sheep, though some of you out there are. Uh, And yeah, doing that, what actually could we we take? We might not like the answers, Mm -hmm. what we see, but at the same time, no one benefits from living uh, in a world that's a lie. Mm -hmm. In fact, I I don't know, we've had economic troubles. We had the economic housing crisis in 2008, cetera. What do you think about that? I mean, from your experience, and you're both savvy observers of the world, at least that's how I see you. If you're not, don't tell me. Don't disappoint me. But what do you think of those crises and how much of that was built on uh, fantasy to a certain extent in terms of perpetuating a fantasy uh, versus just simply not seeing uh, the consequences? I mean, sometimes there's active ignore. I don't know. What are your thoughts about the, the previous crises we've had in the last decade?
2: Well, uh, I could just start off. We were commenting uh, before we went on camera. We were uh, talking about really what had happened with the um, subprime mortgage crash. And I think many people understand that the government at that point, at a certain, certain point, was requiring huge amounts of subprime mortgages being underwritten, up to uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, uh, I think, up to 50 55%. And Wall Street was then processing these things, and people were loading up on the high-yielding debt, borrowing against it. And it was unsustainable. It couldn't go on. And there's a, I guess it's Herbert Stein's rule, it says if something is unsustainable, then it will stop. And, <laughs> it can and be it sustained. I right, right. I, The, the, yeah. uh, the the, the the music
0: stopped, right? And a lot of people got caught uh, without a place to sit. Right, uh, Mr. Nathan. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but that's part of why you're here. Uh, as we put on the spot, um, our perspective tends to be pretty U.S. oriented because that's where we live. But you, uh, for those who don't know, Mr. Nathan is a, a renowned world traveler. Uh, Africa, Atlantis. Have you ever been to Atlantis? No. Not, no. All not. right. There's one still on well, his we list. We haven't decided finally where it is yet. Well, if you get a plane ticket, I'd like to know. Um, when all of that happened, when everything really went down with the housing crisis and such, what was your perspective internationally? Uh, I mean, because that, that was really a ripple effect. It seemed like it sort of originated here roughly, yes. but it didn't seem like it lived to anyone unscathed. It, well, no one escapes, ultimately speaking.
1: But in the Western world, so to speak, in terms of a developed Western world, the effects were the same. Uh, mm. Because uh, we we have the same practices, the same lending practices uh, in all of those areas, so mm. everyone suffers. And of course, the the United States occupying the situation it does in terms of the world's economy mm. automatically creates a ripple effect, right? And so forth. So uh, it affects the banks elsewhere. In fact, to, talking about stress tests, the Bank of England is just gone through a stress testing uh, process with the English, uh, the British banks. Fortunately, they all passed. Oh. But uh, all of the British banks were scouring the world to try and find additional capital right. at that point in time to to meet their ratios, to make right. sure that they were able to operate according to the standards established. Hmm. So it affected all parts of the world. Of course, right. some parts of the world, you might say, were less affected simply because people are so low on the totem uh, right. totem pole of the economic system, hmm.
0: but they all still suffer ultimately speaking. Right. Was there any sense internationally that the U.S. was to blame uh, for, I've, I've wondered if there was any sort of resentment out there? or. Or was that not the case in your uh, if, personal if, experience?
1: If there was, yes, obviously, uh, I sat and uh, had a meal with someone in London who said, if the U.S. government hadn't let Lehman Brothers go, <laughs> it would have been no problem. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the Americans get blamed okay. in some ways. But uh, it, it's a very human problem.
0: Right, right. I, I know we, we we live in a, a a situation where the economy is very managed, where you have a lot of People of of influence, and I'm not trying to assume they're even evil, simply trying to create a healthy economic circumstance in which uh, profits can flow and people are taken care of. But as a result, as things change, some of the decisions that are made can seem really strange, and one of those is negative interest rates. I wanted to bring that up because it's discussed. We actually have, uh, you might be surprised of some of the material we actually cover in the Tomorrow's World magazine. This is a, an older <clears throat> issue. This was from the September, October 2015. But we actually had an article in that. While we do focus on spiritual principles and prophecy, negative interest came, trait, rates came up. I, I want to ask Mr. Wakefield to explain that because he actually wrote the article on this. You can go online and find it. It was called deflation, exclamation point. Not just the word deflation, notice. deflation. Exclamation point! Mm. And you, you wrote that article, uh, Mr. Wakefield. Could you mm. kind of explain to us the concept of a negative interest rate?
2: A negative interest is not what your kid has in math class. Okay, <laughs> I've seen a lot of negative
0: interest in math classes, <laughs> just for the record. And uh,
2: negative interest is when literally um, the the bank is paying you to to borrow from them. And that has actually occurred. And we're still having some negative interest. Uh, I think uh, Japan is having a negative interest paid on its 10-year bonds right now. Really? The, you know, there's still some of that around. It's a phenomenon of deflation. It's caused by deflation or deflationary expectations. That's when, that's the opposite of inflation. In inflation, your money is worth less and less and less as the inflation goes up. With deflation, your dollar buys more and more and more when you have that. So um, as a result, the, uh, the the interest rates get lower and lower and lower, and they can actually go negative. The funny thing was that when this was happening, there were people, brilliant economists, who were saying you, there's no such thing as negative interest. Mm-hmm. And they found out they were wrong, mm-hmm. that the interest rates did drop to below zero. Just as an example, let's say that if you um, – bought a bond um, uh, that was due in one year, and they promised to pay you back 5%. Hmm. So they paid you back uh, $105 on a $100 bond. Well, that's 5% positive interest. But what if the contract said they would only pay you back $95? You gave them 100 they gave they give back you 95? back $95. Right. That's negative interest. And
0: that's going on all over the world and has been for the last number of years. Now, I think some of our, our viewers might wonder why in the world would you do that? Why would I loan them $100 if, if I'm only going to get back $95? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that's what I think is, is kind of a revelation that ec- econ- economics can be so strange that that's actually a better deal sometimes than just holding on to, uh, holding on to your money, right? Yeah.
2: It's caused by deflation, a number of things, but just to be as simple as we can make it, it's caused by deflation. Let's say that deflation was going at 10%. percent mm-hmm. And someone said, "Well, I will. If you loan me hundred dollars, I will pay you back ninety-five. You would still make money, right? Because of right. the deflation
0: or uh, deflationary expectations. That's it's the important a weird thing. world. Don't get me wrong." Uh, I don't want to have a currency made of goats and cows and that's it, but sometimes it seems like that would be a little bit, a little bit, there's always a positive interest in goats and cows to a certain Provide
1: extent. Provided the rain falls and those feed for that's them, right. or else there is. That's right. We're they good. get thinner. If you want to make it
2: even a little more complicated and get everybody really worried about oh, I this. Oh, I bet they can't wait. That's exactly what everybody wants. <laughs> they're going to bore everybody to death. That was nominal negative interest, but you can have real negative interest, let's say, with inflation. Mm-hmm. Let's say inflation is um, running at four um, percent, and you're only being paid two percent on your money. Right. You are losing a negative two percent on it as a real rate. Huh. So it can. We we've seen that around for a long time.
0: Well, let me steer things to a spiritual question. Part of the lesson of all this for me, just as a lay person sitting aside, is that. Uh, the world is just trying to figure it out, and it's complicated, and things are getting awkward and difficult. Uh, what what can people truly rely on then? You know what I'm saying? And you know where I'm going with this. Uh, really, what can people do? What really needs to be their, their prime focus? Mr. Nathan, go. Well,
1: <laughs> fine. Well, Zephaniah 2, seek the <laughs> eternal. Right.
0: But this is a
1: place to find your refuge. Right. So the Bible speaks constantly about the lack of security in physical commodities and the only security is in spiritual items in spiritual character and spiritual relationship with the Father.
0: Right. Um, And without that you're lost. It reminds me of a comment uh, actually I heard at a uh, Feast of Tabernacles observance and some of our viewers may have never heard of that before. It's a, a holy day in the Bible that we actually keep every year in the fall and uh it was a pastor a good friend of mine and he mentioned that you know people sometimes they'll they'll want to rely on him too much and he's trying to be real about it he says look i can't even guarantee i can get to my kids soccer game on time you know uh, but god mm-hmm. you can count on that's really where that investment needs to be uh from that let me kind of uh it's tempting when times are good to rely much more on our stocks and our bonds and our our, our incomes and there is a lot of comments out there that perhaps the world economy really is rebounding. We've got some uh, comments from Newsweek, et cetera. Uh, things seem back on the upswing. There's people starting to think perhaps we're turning around and such. Is that the real trend? You know, is it really in the long term, is, does the Bible provide any guidance in terms of what we should expect? Or should we be shocked that things are, are getting better?
1: Well, it's interesting that the Newsweek article does have the caveat. <laughs> It seems to be improving, but is sort of being held back by problems in the, in the United States. Yeah, going to uh, blame us for everything. They, aren't they you, seem what? to want to. That's right. <laughs> I, I'm not saying we blame. I I'm can't blame them me. for yeah. Yeah. blaming
0: the us. We yeah, probably
2: did, we probably deserve it.
0: So. <laughs> well, if not, hopefully we can take it. Hopefully we, we know we're grown Um Right. There, the part is, and when it comes to understanding prophecy, is there's an arc. There's this overall, the details, things go up and down. And so many times people want to see something and say, oh, that's what prophecy predicted. And then things will change somewhat. Uh, prophecy is all about the end game in terms of where things are, are headed. And when it comes to trying to understand what's going on in the news, uh, you have to keep that in mind. You can't actually just take a look at, uh prophecy says that the dollar is going to go down because the dollar might go up for right. a time. How is God going to fulfill His purposes? Is it going to be because He's going to cause, say, uh, powers in Europe to just rise by continually doing successfully? So let's invest in Europe? Mm-hmm. Or is there going to be a crash coming that so devastates them that they reorganize in a way nobody ever would have expected? Mm-hmm. And so we have to understand that prophecy is really talking about an overall arc in terms of how things are progressing as opposed to the the minutia <laughs> of day-to-day changes. And of course the pundits get it wrong too. What? Uh, Surely not. Those guys are so smart. You you look at uh,
1: the United Kingdom with Brexit, Mm -hmm. and everyone said, uh, well, you know, the pound is going to go down and consumer confidence is all going to go disappear. And what's happened? Consumer confidence has stayed up. The pound is now increasing. It's now over $1.30 and so on. So exports uh, have increased. Okay, the Europeans are stocking up on their uh, commodities from the UK, Mm -hmm. but uh, things since the Brexit vote have gone remarkably well for Britain. Right. Right. And, and I
2: certainly agree with what Mr. Smith said about that, is that right now the global economy is running maybe uh, two, three percent, and some are much better, some uh, worse. So the economy overall is, is doing fairly well for now, but there are a lot of major structural issues in the economy that the macroeconomists are looking at and saying, how on earth are we going to deal with these things? I'll right. just give you a couple of examples of them. Um, the, Uh, reading from a paper here that is a um, uh, a newsletter I get from a macroeconomist, it says the largest twin bubbles in the history of the world, which are global debt, especially government debt but also private debt, that's one of them, and then government promises, and these things have grown to massive uh, proportions right now. Just to point out a, a couple of other things about this, if I can get to a couple of these quotes. The Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, the 20, say, largest economies, uh, some of the 20 largest economies in the in the world, their unfunded pension liabilities, and will talk about that in a moment, uh, they are $78 trillion, and this is from wow. Citibank, a Citibank report, so yeah. this is not what some pundit thought, wow. and that's at least 50% more than their total annual
0: gross domestic product. Huh. What was was that source? What are you reading from? Uh, from, It's from a Citibank report. Hmm. One of the things that uh, principalglobal.com actually had a list of top 10 economic trends for 2017. And it was fascinating how, I mean, all this is these particular people's opinions. It's their best to, they're they're trying their best to do some particular analysis. And they mention uh, what's going on. Well, there's uncertainty concerning Europe. There's so much new leadership in the (coughs) world. Donald Trump in the United States, definitely, Mm -hmm. there's a certain Mm -hmm. element of. uh, of question about what in, the, what in the world is exactly going on. The fact that the choices that are made, the implications of those choices, don't really happen till much later. What I see is sometimes prophecy moving in the variability, the things you actually can't control. There's a reason when you talk about runaway inflation, for example, there's a reason the adjective runaway is there, because so well, why don't they just intervene and stop it? That's the point. They actually can't stop it. And I see increasingly we seem to live in a world where we think we can manage all these facets somehow. We just dial in the right interest rate. We do just do this. And I think the, the lesson that's really coming is that mankind can't run all these things perfectly. Mm-hmm. We just can't come up with this perfect well, system.
1: An interesting addition to that is the latest British election. The overall result is that people are fed up with austerity hmm. yeah. okay so here's another you might say government promise and so forth. We don't want to have to do this all the time
0: mm-hmm.
1: we, we, we have borne the result of austerity since 2008 and for ever before that right. and we want to have some of a good life
2: mm-hmm.
1: we want to not.
2: Well, the austerity in most of these countries means that the government cuts spending so that they are operating within their means. Right. And these promises, particularly unfunded pension liabilities in the U.S. and abroad, huge amounts of money. What these economists are saying, they're using the word the great reset. Mm. At some point, just like a, 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 a government or a company going bankrupt, they have to reset everything. Right. And this is coming down the road at some point. Right. The question is, what will happen when that happens? Who's going to do it? Who's going to profit? Who's going to be the winners and the losers? And it could be that some great uh, genius is going to come up and figure out how to do this and solve this problem. If he can do it, there will be huge
0: power to anyone that does that and the bible does talk about such a situation huh uh, before we move on actually let me read some questions that are coming in from facebook uh, we had someone from texas so go texas i texan can't help it um, said is free tr- international trade a good or bad thing according to the bible he says i've always wondered it seems to lead to a lot of inequalities but maybe there's a, a, a green behind it I I'm not sure what he's saying there, but uh, maybe there is a good way to do international trade. Is there anything biblically that would comment on, on international trade as a pro or con? Well, background,
1: there's a lot in the Bible that speaks about international trade because Israel, the state of Israel, lay between the two superpowers of Mesopotamia and Egypt, and the trade between those two provided an incredible amount of riches for Israel. Mm. So... Uh, this was a uh, factor in in the ancient world and uh, the nation of Israel benefited from it in a very profound way. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: It also has to, well, what it does is it enlarges your markets. You have a much larger market for your produce to go to. The trouble is you're buying from them as well. So that has to be balanced between the two. The problem
0: comes when it gets imbalanced. There's a great imbalance between them. I think... Uh there's another question that I want to make sure I get to, because thank you very much, everyone's sending in questions. We definitely do want to address them. Uh, I thought it was an interesting, it's, interesting question. He asks, I say he, I don't know if it's a he or she, I apologize. For me, it just says FB question. If that's actually your name, I would like to get to know you. That's a very interesting name. So Facebook question, can a people go into captivity, and yet its currency remains strong, because its banks are propped up by maybe the Assyrians, we're probably talking about Germany, uh, it's an interesting question. Is there any reason if a if a country's currency is still strong, is there any reason why it wouldn't be able to go into a captivity? Is the answer to that, I think, depends on how you perceive captivity.
1: Hmm. Basically, the whole world is in captivity at the present time. Hmm. Because the book of Proverbs once again tells us that the borrower is servant, in other words, he is a captive to the lender.
0: Right.
1: And each and every person watching this program at the present time, is captive to a lender somewhere. Hmm.
0: All
2: right. Yeah, and Mr. Rayfield. Mr. Nathan has a great point about that, and that is that we, as Americans, are in a certain sense liable for all of this wonderful debt, There's trillions and trillions of dollars that's piling right. up, and they're predicting that even more is going to pile up in the next few years. So. Could we wind up becoming captive to that debt while we have a functional economy? It's an interesting question.
0: It really is. I mean, yeah. actually, your 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 currency could be strong for all the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And, so, and actually, it does remind me, even though. Uh, we have other topics where this might come up. I can't help myself going to Ezekiel 7:19, mm-hmm. where it speaks of a people being punished for their sins. And it says that they'll do what? It says, they'll throw their silver into the streets and their gold will be like refuse. Their mm-hmm. silver and gold will not be able to deliver them in the day of the wrath uh, of the Lord. So you're talking about people going to acti- into captivity who have silver and gold. Right. They're actually pl- plentiful with that. And they're throwing it in the streets because it's doing them no good, because when it comes, when God acts to bring a people into captivity, and if you have not read our booklet, the U.S. and Great Britain in Prophecy, you absolutely must read that booklet. It's not going to save them. So even if it is present, no, it's not It's not going to make a mm-hmm. difference.
2: It's interesting about the silver. Have you seen these ads for buying silver on, on television? I don't watch not that much, but there have been a lot of ads, buy silver, buy silver. It says that they're going to throw the silver in the streets, but they're gold they're going to declare unclean. Mm-hmm. That was actually the, the, the biblical quote. <laughs> it's interesting that... They were giving
0: the, that quote in the... Uh, no, they weren't giving no. that. Oh, but I, all right, all right. I actually looked that up before the... Uh, <laughs> but but do, I, re- do you I, read the I, Bible every once in a well, while, Mr. Occasionally, do you really? That's a good yeah. idea. I've got to start doing that.
1: <laughs> I really like Isaiah's account of that same thing because he talks about them throwing their gold and silver into the street and the becoming mole and bat feed.
0: Mm, really? I've got to start quoting that one... And yet I don't know if I want to, now that you've described it that way. Ezekiel's been my go-to, but I'll consider Isaiah. You said that Thank wonderfully. You. Could you say it again? Isaiah. Ah, oh, that was amazing. You've got to say that every, every few minutes. All right, question comes up every once in a while. I just want you to put it straight, and we can make short work of this one. Tell me straight, gentlemen, do I really need to pay taxes? I mean, I, I got to admit, I don't want to. Sometimes, well, we, question we can comes always, up: Do I need to pay taxes? We can always
2: cut your salary; you will not lead to pay <laughs> any taxes. So that was that's one
0: solution. I'm not interested in that, frankly. Uh, <laughs> no, really. Biblically, it comes up sometimes. You know, really, whether you know whether a Christian should or ought to. But biblically, it's been it's been answered. Any any comments? Oh,
1: Right from the beginning when Israel asked for a king, Samuel said you're gonna to have to pay taxes. Yep. Um, Jesus Christ telling them to uh, pay what was Caesar's and render to God what was God's.
0: Right. It really, People try to make complicated arguments one way or the other and uh... I, I don't want to judge their motivations or anything like that, but at the same time, the Bible really doesn't make it plain. We are to be the best citizens we can be within God's law within our countries, and uh, absolutely. You know, if you look at, at Paul, you look at Jesus, who was in charge when Jesus talked about it? He said, render to Caesar what is Caesar's, mm-hmm. and I don't know, at least the history books I read, those guys don't have the best records in terms of how they were spending all of that. There, there's a
2: direct New Testament reference to that in Romans uh, chapter 13, verses six and seven. It says, render to all their dues, taxes to whom taxes, custom to whom ta- custom. And that's the New King James Version, it says taxes. For that. So we should pay our taxes. We should not be rebellious about that, according to the Bible. Right. Okay. Good. So just
0: that's that's our official word here. Or oh, you relocate
1: <laughs> to a place that does not have taxes.
0: That's always an option, right? Mm-hmm. Go live someplace, go live or uh, ask your employer not to pay you like you're talking about and then you won't have anything no income tax no income that might make it easier you for your budget you not have to pay sales taxes on either so That's you can right. avoid it that way i think if you didn't do that it would make it easier on your budget but not on my yeah. budget if i if i did that okay this this is a good question that was selected for this one i i appreciate this cuz there's a lot of debate in our current society uh, at least in, in america uh, sometimes i feel like there's less debate in other countries but it's just probably because i'm not there is how much regulation should we really have should the government take a strong role in terms of regulating an economy in terms of actually uh, we talk about uh, uh, Dodd-Frank all these other regulations they're currently in the news a lot is there a spiritual position on that should the government be doing so much regulation or does it need to be a hands-off just kind of laissez-faire to an extreme for those who know stuff like laissez-faire I feel more educated when I say it uh, and just leave everything alone, let it go, and just let the economy be what it's going to be. Are there any spir- spiritual principles to to bring to bear as uh, a Bible believing person tries to comprehend these issues?
2: Well, uh, and it's always been appropriate for governments to put up regulations. Even capitalists want regulations because it creates a level uh, playing field, it creates uh, standards for everyone to work by, and sort of keeps the bad guys at bay uh, with, within an economy. Um, sometimes government gets to be excessive and that becomes a very political issue that they have to work out uh, in, their, uh, in their own way in the world. Uh, you mentioned Dodd-Frank. Even uh, the sponsors of that bill are saying that it hurt the small banks. The, the uh, regulatory requirements and the reporting requires, requirements of this were so great that the small banks could barely be in business and doing. So the l- larger banks who could do it much more easily were saying, oh, this is kind of a good deal because mm. it's hurting our competition a bit. But it was hurting them some also. So mm. as to how much that needs to be adjusted, the process is underway. But um, these things go up and down within the
0: government. Right, right. Mr. Nathan, And thoughts? part of the problem
1: is we think one size fits all. Mm. So we have one form of regulation without any real sense of – how does this apply in different sizes or different circumstances?
0: Right. I know speaking as an American and a Texan, which makes it even worse, I, I will be honest. There's this idea that no, we need to be on our own, like the like the old West. It's all up to me. We need to be left alone to sink or swim. It's very easy to, to judge your country's approach to things to being the best, especially when you're in America and you don't distinguish the blessings, uh, the success of our country from the blessings that have come upon it prophetically because of the blessings on Abraham. But, but I agree, there's not really an ism that seems to work fully all by itself, capitalism, socialism, Mm -hmm. communism, all the rest. It's really just Bibleism. I mean, eventually there's going to be a world here uh, that Jesus Christ runs in which there is going to be regulation. The Bible talks about laws of God that will be centrally imposed upon leaving the corners of your field for people to come and glean, and yet at the same time, if you don't work, you don't eat. There's a balance there somewhere that will be present in the kingdom. I think part of the challenges today, we see so much regulation because humans are fallible. It's not always because of evil desire, though let's not pretend evil desire doesn't come into play from time to time, but it's just because we're, we're not perfect. We mm-hmm. just don't, we don't understand. Uh, and I'd hate to live in a world that's over-regulated, but I'd hate to live in a world that's under-regulated and, and really, mm-hmm. where is the medium? We do have another question for Facebook. I well, thought it was pretty ju- interesting.
1: if we just add to that in yeah. terms of regulation, yes. the whole question of the Internet and regulating the Internet, and how do rural communities get hmm. high-speed internet access right without some form of leverage over mm. the ISP, or the, the providers.
2: And, and Back in the 1930s, they had the uh, rural electric, electrification uh, right. that uh, put out uh, electricity, all the rural areas. There's certainly a, uh, a, um, a role for that. Mm-hmm. But the Bible does say that it is not within man's ability to, to govern himself.
0: Right. He can't right.
2: do it right. So mm-hmm. they will always be struggling uh, to do this
0: until, in this age anyway, until God brings his kingdom. Right. Uh, The way of man is not in himself, but that's the problem. So the way is not in me, but who else do I have to look to other than other men? You Mm -hmm. know, there's other men, different layers of government. Eventually, if that doesn't stop at God, it's always going to be something. Of
1: course, that's a lovely scripture to quote. How does it carry on? He says, oh, eternal, correct me, not an angeless, you bring me to nothing. So in other words, a realization, hey, there's somewhere I have to go to
0: look for right, the answers. Right, exactly. Yeah, I might to be a lot the to say, no one likes to quote the parts of the verse that say, correct me. That's, That's right. no one's favorite uh, part of the verse. believe uh, me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can translate it that way. That would be very nice, very nice. Okay, we do have a question. I thought it was pretty interesting. Someone asking, and this is going to be speculative, so just what do you guys think? They asked, how could conflict with North Korea, which is always in the news these days, how could that affect the world economy? We are not financial experts here or world economy, but I, I think we could speculate a little bit about some things. I, to me, personally, I'd throw it out there, I think it'd be an additional chaotic element that could go either way. I mean, World War II affected different countries differently in terms of how they participated in such things, but I don't know, any thoughts? I fell on Facebook, invested enough to ask. I, I thought I'd like to give him something.
1: Well, it was very close to China. It is, And China is a major player in the world economy, so uh, where, where does China sit in terms of a relationship? Where mm-hmm. does Japan? So you get these, uh, Taiwan and so forth, you get these major manufacturing uh, centers for the earth, mm-hmm. very close by, mm-hmm. and being affected.
2: Well, don't forget the law of unintended consequences. Right. The, and that is that the biggest consequence of any action that these people take is going to be unintended. Right. And uh, I'm afraid that if people go off and start a shooting war over there, or unavoidably or not, uh, mm. the consequences could be far-reaching.
0: Right. It's, it really is the, the ripple effect. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, throw, you throw the pond in the lake— and you did that. You did that purposefully. You knew exactly... Maybe you could hit You hit the, it exactly what you were to The stone in the lake. Well, no. So I throw ponds, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, okay, yeah it's, it's kind of a metaphysical thing. It's like, I don't, no, totally. Got me. Good job, guys. See, I said they were sharp. No, so you throw a rock in the lake. That's right. We go with that rock. Yes, right. that's fine. And so the ripples go out, but the thing is, once you let go of the rock, one, you're not in charge. Isaac Newton is sort of in charge in that trajectory. Hopefully it lands where you want it, but even then... You don't know what was under that, where it hit. All the ripples go, and it touches every part of the lake on the side. It's one thing to say we need to do this, but, I mean, really, our country is still affected by choices made mm. in Vietnam, World War II, really World War I, Uh and you can't control all those July consequences. July 4th coming up, isn't it? It is. Dun, 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 We're still dun, suffering dun, dun, dun. from it. <laughs> From that's right, from uh, the American (laughs) Revolution. Boy, you go far back. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was going to ask if you were there, but that would be a terrible thing. Right, not going actually. Not even metaphysically. (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, we did have another question I want to bring up, uh, but as we we're going to begin close to wrapping up here pretty quickly. But the question about gold is: Gold an investment that will help my family in a catastrophe? It seems like there's always talk about gold. Uh, through every kind of financial crisis, people start rushing there. And any any observations or comments on uh, uh, gold in terms of uh, how should we think about that as people focused on a larger picture than perhaps some are. Oh. Uh- Just uh, remembering
2: a little bit of portfolio management, and this is not my advice by any stretch of the the imagination, but portfolio managers say for individual portfolios, it's okay to hold a certain amount of gold. They Mm -hmm. may say 10 or 15 percent of something in your investments, and that is a hedge against inflation. Before we uh, went on on the air, we were talking a little bit about um, gold versus oil. If you go back and look at the last um, 20, 30, 40 years, The amount of oil, the number of barrels that an ounce of gold will buy has been fairly constant. An ounce Mm -hmm. will buy between 20 to 30 barrels of oil. It varies all over, but it always kind of comes back to that particular particular range simply because of inflation and, and because of market forces. So people use gold in a worldly sense as a hedge against inflation. But you can't put your trust in gold. Hmm. That was in Ezekiel, by the way, where it said mm-hmm. they will consider it unclean. That's Ezekiel seven nineteen. All right. Their, right. their gold will be unclean to them simply because they had trusted in it before and they, and they should not have.
0: Right. Uh, I, I've heard that talk that gold is mentioned in the Bible. I heard one, actually, a, a fellow I really respected. He was someone I looked up to and uh is an ex-Marine trying to make a point like, no, you can't, you know, diamonds are a false investment because the Bible doesn't talk about diamonds, but it talks about gold, and so gold is a real investment. And, eh, you know, uh, whatever. The Bible does talk about gold, but the idea that, well, I'm going to put all my money into gold because it's mentioned in the Bible, God considers it a value, you know, later on. I think Ezekiel 7, 19 and others just highlight that there's no single thing worth our trust. There's no... Magic bullet. I want to call gold a silver bullet. It seems like that doesn't exactly work. But there's no there's no single (laughs) investment uh, that we can really rely on. Talk to your financial advisor. They'll probably say things like, you know, uh, diversifying gives you more stability. If you need more risk, you make sure you narrow it or something in, in in wise ways. But sure, gold should be weighed like any other kind of investment. But is there something prophetically that says it's a better investment than others? Not necessarily, again, Ezekiel 9.17. There's going to be people that, that might, there's going to be people maybe wishing they had a sandwich instead mm-hmm. of the gold nugget mm-hmm. they have sitting on their, on mm-hmm. their dresser. So. You can't eat it. And also in the same You could, future, but you're
2: probably going to regret it. He ...calls it a stumbling block of, of sin. And people like to point out, and they say, well, the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. The Bible does not say that. No, it a doesn't. root of evil. You no, know, it says the love of money... Is is a root of all uh, a root of all evil. So you have to remember that it is the love and the desire of it that creates uh, the sin.
0: Yeah, I, I had heard a uh, a woman tell me recently that chocolate is actually the root of all evil. I always thought it was pretty good. Well, I, hope that's, I hope that's not the case. I hope, I hope that's not. <laughs> I'll the leave case. that. <laughs> <laughs> Someone asked a question here on Facebook that I'll pass on. Talk about the Industrial Revolution. It's a broad question, but feel free and 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 uh, and give your input to this person. Was the Industrial Revolution a good or bad thing? They said it seems to have kind of brought us to destruction in some kind of way in the long term. I guess you could almost say the question, should we just be an agrarian society? Is there something inherently self-destructive in terms of being an industrial society?
1: Well, we can do what we're doing now as a result of an industrial society.
0: We know that because we're doing it now. That's right. But we couldn't if we
1: hadn't had the Industrial
0: Revolution. Oh, I see what you're saying. Right. So... And
2: back in in the the days of the agrarian societies, um, children died young. mm -hmm. There were no, you know, the medical care, all of these other things, lifespans were very short. The standard of livings were extremely low. I don't think anybody really wants to go back to that. (laughs) We enjoy our productivity and what it means.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, to me, a lot of it goes back to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Mankind keeps advancing, but it's always at some kind of cost. We right. can't just kind of think of a pure step mm-hmm. forward. It yeah. is
2: not within a man's means, within his heart, to guide he right. his own
0: paths. Right.
2: We have to use this book, what God says, and if right. we do that, He puts us on the right path, and that's the one we follow.
0: My, my children and I often talk about when Christ returns, what sort of society are we going to? Are we going to have? And are there going to be cars? Are there going to be bicycles? Are there going to be hovercraft? That would be really nice. And I've often thought, we'll see. It's, it's in man to create. God's a creator, mm-hmm. right? God actually, he made you know, all of this, essentially, you know what we mm-hmm. are. And if mankind has a chance to express his creativity in such a way where he's guided by the leadership under Jesus Christ, what kind of economy are we truly going to have? You know, what kind of investments, what kind of uh, inventions and all the rest? Yeah, we have a comment from our our very wise folks over in the uh, control room, commenting that uh, Mr. Herbert Armstrong used to say, it's not the thing itself that is bad, it's the use of the thing in terms of how it's used one way or another. And I would say even how it's developed. If it's developed out of lack of consideration for others or with them in mind. Well, think- well
1: much has come from uh, military defense uh, research and so forth. So it's, it's developed in the first place with a destructive mm-hmm. Element. Well, the
2: the request, the the questioner also uh, brings up a good point that in the kingdom of God things will be very different, very different. Spiritually, mm-hmm. we will not have, we will not be in Satan's world. He will not be act, active uh, as he is now. Right now, the best thing we can do, or we think, is to live in this industrial age. Right. But I've got a feeling that Christ is going to come up with something pretty different. Mm-hmm. Looking I Looking forward to seeing it.
0: I'm, I'm, you know, will it be the Jetsons? Do you remember the Jetsons? That's not, no, no, no. I don't know how many of our viewers remember the Jetsons. Uh, but anyway, I, I, li- I like to think that man is going to be not just blessed in, in terms of spiritual uh, things, but unleashed in a certain kind of way, you know, where mm-hmm. he actually has a guide that says, oh, look, I know that thing you just made looks great, but let me tell you about Los Angeles. Let me tell you about the smog, and let me tell you about that. Because uh, even, even with the purest of intentions, we can't see around corners. We only see so far into the distance. That's part of what I've argued that it's not just a matter of man's character has to be perfected. Because even if we all had the best of intentions, we can't see the like, unintended consequences. Mm-hmm. We can't see the results of our decisions 100 years down the road, even our economic decisions now. How are they going to affect things a century from now? Even if all of our intentions were good, without the leadership of a, a, a loving, giving God to ourselves, we're just not sufficient. not sufficient.
1: Mm-hmm. I see this playing out in countries like Kenya, which are almost, you might say, going through this transition from agrarian to industrial societies. Uh, Kenya is a wonderful place to grow flowers for the European market. Uh, Kenya is to flowers what China is to electronic equipment, Bangladesh is to cotton. Mm. And every night, you know, the plane loads of flowers leaving Kenya for uh, Europe, European markets. Okay. Great employment for the Kenyans. But the downsides of it, the nitrogenous runoff into lakes, which then choke the lake with weeds so that the fish can't operate, you immediately destroy someone's livelihood. Hmm. Uh, you bring people together from uh, villages into shanty towns right. to work in the in the fields, etc. Or the, the uh, covered houses and so huh. on. And uh, what problems do you create? You create all sorts of sociological problems. You create problems back home because father's not there to. Be right. involved in his children. So, right. So we we make these decisions which may appear to be great and wonderful, but they all have those
0: unintended
1: consequences. Right. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: I'm just excited that we had some topic that gave you the chance to say nitrogenous. I was waiting for that. That was, I was amazing. Say, I, 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 my, you're write down I'm my, good my good. favorite words that Mr. <laughs> Nathan says on the webcast. Uh, that really is all that we have time for. Uh, I want to thank our guests again, Mr. Wakefield, Mr. Nathan, as well as our amazing crew in there, uh, Mr. Dawson, Mr. Leonard, uh, Mr. King, Mr. Saselka watching online. We know you're out there, Mr. Soselka. Uh, thank you, everyone, for watching, and we will see you again next Thursday at 3 o'clock. And thank you guys.